Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, a lot can change in a week, especially if you're a Michigan State fan. One week, the basketball team is riding high on a nine-game win streak, and the next, they're losing to a Northwestern team without Pete Nance at home. But that's the way it goes in the Big Ten. We will discuss the state of the Michigan State basketball team and catch you up on the green and white carousel that is Michigan State football on episode 64 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Thanks for listening, Spartan Nation. We really do appreciate it. Kyle, uh, are you feeling fat and sassy today? Because that's pretty much my constant state of being. Uh, no, um, I haven't been fat and sassy in a while. I don't know if I have anything to be fat and sassy about. <laughs> Has Tom gone to that before? Or is that, I feel like he's gone oh, to that before. No, yeah, that's a regular, like I, like I could, um, like, I feel like sometimes I could write the quotes beforehand, you know, like it's, the, it's the same material over and over again. Like I joke, like it's like, um, and like anybody who covers like a political campaign, you know, like the speech is the same at every stop here. You hear the same speech over and over again. Like you cover time is for 10 years, whatever I've done it now. And uh, you just hear, hear the same quotes, the same stories over and over again. And um, but yeah, yeah, I guess they were, they're not fantastic anymore. At least when, when you've been at it for 27 years, I guess uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta reuse some things every once in a while. There's only so many, you know, coach speaks that can go around. So uh, Matt, what's up? Have you been working on your pronunciations for later in the show? No, no, I haven't given up on that, but um, I would like to say if anybody out there is a big fan of the show, The Office, I can tell you The Office experience in Chicago is a good way to uh, kill an hour. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Oh yeah, that was the old the old Christmas present, right, for your wife? That, that went well then? You, yeah. you mentioned you tried to get out of town and all this news broke, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I started the trip the same way I ended it uh, in the passenger seat writing story. Hey, gotta love those hot spots. Yep. Uh, um, so yeah, like I said, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we've got a you know assorted topics to get to on the show. Um, talk about the basketball team's loss, and uh, we got a bunch of football news as Matt sort of referenced there. Uh, if you could please like, rate, interview the podcast, would be very much appreciated. You can you know where to find our work at mlive.com/spartans. Uh, we're all on the internet. You know where to hit us on Twitter um, if you have any questions or concerns. But we definitely appreciate you for listening, uh, and I hope you enjoy the show. So, Kyle, uh, something that Michigan State fans certainly probably didn't enjoy was the latest performance from the Michigan State basketball team. The nine-game win streak snapped on Saturday at noon. Uh, 64-62 loss to Northwestern, who was playing without, like I said, Pete Nance, who's probably their best player. 
just an all-around shaky performance from Michigan State. Uh, struggled defensively again to stop penetration. They got out-rebounded, out offensive rebounds, 17-8 to in favor of Northwestern. Uh, Tom Izzo clearly frustrated after the game. Um, but as we sort of alluded to on our last pod, uh, you know, kind of talking about how good Michigan State is, we both sort of felt they were overrated at 10. Um, and I think that was kind of uh, solidified last week in the games and in the performances. Yeah, I and I honestly don't feel a whole lot different about this Michigan State team after seeing Saturday because they they had the same issues that we've seen really since Christmas. Um, and the only difference is they didn't shoot well enough to uh, to get themselves out of it like they have every game. You know, every game they've had all the turnover issues. They haven't rebounded that well. They've had the defensive issues. Um, and but they they win closer than expected one because they've shot the ball very well Two because they haven't played very good teams. Um, and, you know, I think they finally got, got exposed a little bit. And, and I, and I do think the issues were a little bit worse on Saturday than usual. Um, uh, you know, giving up 17 offensive rebounds, that's the most in like three years, I think. Um, so that was really bad. Um, uh, turnovers continue to be, you know, 17 turnovers, not their season high, but um, you know, turning it over one in every five possessions in the big 10, uh, you're just not going to win consistently. Um, and the defense, yeah, it wasn't great. And, um, you know, I thought some individual guys, uh, Marcus Bingham, you know, I thought played his worst game of the year. Uh, and we can talk more about him. But I, I go into the game. Um, I, it's funny. I, I walked in and I see Pete Nance in like a back hallway. He like trying to stretch stuff out. And I look at him like, hey, I don't know if that dude's going to look like he's going to play today, <laughs> you know. And then, and then sure enough, he scratched. And my first thought, probably like a lot of people, was like, oh, here's a Marcus Bingham day. You know, their best big man's out. Um, they didn't really have a lot of guys be, beyond him um, that had really played a whole lot. Um, but he really couldn't get it going. And uh, Northwestern's backup big men played well and, um, and got the job done. So um, kind of a continuation of what we've seen. Maybe it worsened a little bit, and, and it finally bit him, which I think – I was expecting to happen as there was expecting to happen players, if they're honest, were expecting it to happen. So it, uh, the, the prophecy fulfilled, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. And, and if you're looking big picture, I don't know if it's really a reason to panic. I mean, Michigan state has had good teams that have lost puzzling games uh, in the past and they've rebounded and, you know, is all, I don't, I mean, I watched his 20 minute press conference or whatever, and you know, he, he wasn't happy about the loss obviously, but you know, he, I think he even said something like, I don't know, maybe it's going to be a good thing that we lost or something to that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect that we needed a wake up call basically. So um, maybe that, maybe it does end up being a good thing, but who knows that, that remains yeah, to be seen. He certainly wasn't happy, but I, I think he was, he was really trying to get through to this team. Like you can't keep doing this. Like you will not get away with this um, and be a big 10 title contender um, or go far in the NCAA tournament. And you know, they're, you know, they're listening. I'm not saying they were like tuning them out or anything, but um, they weren't seeing the progress. So I, I think time is, you know, as competitive as they come, he doesn't want a loss, but I do think part of him is like, well, silver lining, they're going to listen now because um, you know, he, what he was saying both to us and to his team um, came true. He said, you're going to lose a game. You shouldn't lose uh, if you keep doing this. And, and that's exactly what happened. Marcus Bingham, we should talk about. Um, I mean, and obviously during the game, the big topic of conversation was was Tom Izzo going small ball and uh, trying to guard Ryan Young with Joey Hauser, and it, it really didn't work. And I know myself and a lot of people were frustrated um, seeing that happen just over and over again. Well, Marcus Bingham plays just 12 minutes. Bingham clearly in the doghouse. I mean, 12, 12 minutes, two points, 
uh, three turnovers, just two rebounds. I mean, that's not good enough for your senior seven foot big man. Uh, we did see a great name, great game out of Julius Marble, a career game in his mm -hmm. stead, but he can't play the whole second half. Mati Sissoko clearly not ready to go up against big experienced big men because uh, I mean, he didn't put him in and he put Hauser on him. I mean, I did think it, I know you guys asked Tom about it after the game. It was a curious decision to stick with Hauser that long when it didn't seem to be working defensively. I know he said it was something more of an offensive decision to happen in there, but it appeared like he was getting owned. And are we to the point where like Marcus Bingham, like, is he, is he really ready to lose a game to send a message to his senior big man? I mean, it, it was frustrating from that standpoint. I, you know, I could go a number of ways with that. I, to me, Marcus Bingham was just out of the, just mentally like not in the game. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't blame them for not having Bingham in there down the stretch. Um, you know, I actually went back and watched the tape pretty carefully because, you know, they're talking about him walking and stuff. And there, there are plays you can find in the first half where he just doesn't run back on defense and just kind of loafs back on defense. And these Northwestern reserve big men are beating down the floor for easy buckets. Um, and that's the sort of thing that's going to get you a quick hook. And then, um, you know, he had more plays like that. They sat him for a while and then he asked to go back in, which is what you want. Um, but then if, if you remember, I think it's with about five or six minutes left, 15 seconds left on the shot clock. He takes two dribbles, pulls up, misses a long two. Like, and that's mm -hmm. like, he's been told 8,000 times not to take that shot. He knows it's a low percentage shot for him. So it, to me, it, it was just a day where he was just not going to be able to give you what he normally does. So I, I don't have a problem with him being on the bench, given what we saw to him, um, and I don't blame them for trying the Joey Hauser thing, but I, I thought that they stuck with it too long. Um, and they right. left Julius Marble on the bench for too long because there was a time when, like I actually thought before it came out, like Julius Marble looked tired. Like, uh, you know, we have yeah, a pretty he good can't play the there. whole game. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I was watching him like between plays and, you know, hands on his knees, like he looked gassed, like he needed to come out. Um, um, and if, I, I don't blame them for trying Joey Hauser because, you know, Northwestern's got reserve big men in there. Um, it, it, I thought it worked okay the other night. It wasn't like a total game changer, but it worked for them against Minnesota. So they gave it a shot. But, um, you know, after a couple of minutes, it was clear that he couldn't guard their big men. Um, and they were, you know, the gamble is you hope you're better offensively um, enough. And, yeah, it's going to be difficult, but you hope you're not that big of a liability defensively. Like, you get more than you lose, you know, and it didn't work out that way because they weren't better offensively and Joey Howard just could not guard their centers. Um, so I don't blame them for trying it, but then when it clearly wasn't working, they, they kept with it for, I think it was like six minutes, and, and that mm -hmm. was the game. And I, I think after, you know, maybe half of that, I, I think Julius Marble's ready to come back in, and I think you've seen enough to say, hey, um, this isn't working. So, so that, that, that would be my criticism. I know that was big up in arms. I, I didn't think it was like some huge glaring coaching mistake. I just thought that they, um, they stuck with it a little bit too long. Um, and, and the, the, the small ball is interesting. It's just, it's very specific circumstances. That's going to work. Minnesota is one of them. I don't see a whole lot more of them on the schedule. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't think you want to go small ball against Kofi Coburn. That's no. uh, <laughs> probably not going to work out very well. But I mean, like Gabe Brown is, I mean, he had an okay game. I know he said Malik Hall and Julius Marble were really the two guys that he thought that played well. But Gabe, I would say, is the one guy on this team who continues to show up night in and night out. And that's, that's a problem. I mean, they need more consistent play out of guys. Um, Bingham being at the top of the list. I mean, he's their seven foot woods senior big man. They need, they need him to get back to how he was at the beginning of the season. I know Izzo, it seemed like he softened his stance a little bit yesterday, you know, kind of allowing that COVID might be having a little bit of an impact on his energy level uh, and effort because Bingham is a guy we've seen who's only been able to play small stretches throughout his career. Uh, he was being asked to play more minutes this year. 
Um, and at the beginning of the year, it was working well. I mean, he was playing like one of the best big men in the country. He has the bout with COVID. Maybe that's affecting him a little bit. But, um, you know, I do find it interesting that, you know, Tom will yell at, you know, social media for being too hard on Hauser and then he'll call Bingham out in the media. So, I mean, <laughs> I get, I know you coach different guys in different ways, different guys respond to different things, but it is, uh, I mean, I think a little criticism is, is, uh, allowable there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, right. I mean, um, I, I, I could tell you, I, like, I don't, I've never heard Tom call out Joey in the media because I don't think that's the way he sees to get the best out of Joey. Um, he does it with guys like like Marcus all the time because that's the way he sees to get the best out of them. So yeah, I mean, can you expect fans to get all that nuance and um and that no and and if um if there are fans that are on Marcus Bingham right now, I certainly didn't hear any pushback from Tom about it. Um, so and and a lot of it's effort related. You know, it's like people are mad at Joey because of his physical limitations. You know, and maybe he's not hitting shots. Um. You know, if you talk about effort, you know, I don't think Tom Israel is ever going to criticize somebody for saying, hey, you know, you're not showing effort because that's that's kind of a baseline thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, you know, Marcus Bingham, like like that's to me how he responds from here is one of my biggest questions and kind of something the season is going to hinge on because, um, you know, best case scenario. Yeah, this is just a little COVID hangover and he's had a couple bad games and he gets back to, to playing the way he was. Uh, but. You know, if you look at his kind of season trajectory so far, um, he's struggled to put it together through a season. This is he's kind of started to fade at this point of the season before, you know, you're uh, you played a lot of games, you know, you're a little beat up, um, you know, you're starting to get games every three, four days. And um, uh, this is the time of the year where um, he's kind of struggled to, to keep up playing well. And, and if he's going to keep playing, um, you know, giving him what he's given them the last couple of weeks, it's going to be really hard for them to compete in the big 10. Um, and so you hope that he's turned the corner and he just got a little COVID hangover and he can keep it going. But um, you know, if he can't turn the corner, he's the guy who, you know, he, he's taken the biggest turn in the wrong direction. And if he can't get it back going again, I really kind of worry about uh, this team's potential. Couple, couple pretty good big guys in the Big Ten, Kyle. So <laughs> it, few, it might yeah. be just a couple, like you know, every single night going against one of the best big men in the country. So yeah, I agree. He's a huge key moving forward for Michigan State. I mean, I think Northwestern played pretty well uh, in the game, and from their standpoint, I thought you know Chase Audige and Boo Booey, who are two guys who can really like at there. I thought Chase Audige just outshot Northwestern out of the game with some of the shots he was taking in this game. They both played way more under control. So I think you do need to give them credit for playing well and coming in without their best player. Um, but Michigan state didn't do much well uh, on the other side. So, I mean, it's, what do you think the issue, the biggest issue is with Michigan state? Is it Marcus Bingham? Is it, you know, just that they don't have like five guys who are showing up every night. Is it almost too much depth? I mean, we saw at the end, the final shot of the game. I didn't think it was a terrible shot. Malik Hall had a pretty good look from three. He's been making them at a pretty good clip, but you didn't need three points. Um, so, I mean, did, was that the first time that we saw kind of the lack of a go-to guy having a negative effect? I mean, what is the fix here outside of just playing harder? Because I was watching the, the battle for Atlantis tournament, like Tom, referenced in his in his press conference and there is a noticeable difference in how they're playing defense in that game compared to how they were playing last week yeah and that's um i mean i mean the the biggest fixes are stuff that we've still been talking about like like if they're going to keep turning the ball over once every five times they have it um i i think the best way to illustrate um what they're going through right now is northwestern took 10 more shots than they did you know and 
do a little math, you know, you hit, you shoot 40% and Michigan state can even just match the number of shots the other team's taken. You know, you hit 40%. Um, what is that? that? That's three more buckets. Was that 12 more points, eight more points? I, I don't do math, Kyle. I'm a word guy. I'll leave anyway. That you. <laughs> um, you, you, you are just, if they can just get to baseline, you know, like, like no one's expecting them to become Wisconsin and turn the ball over seven times a game, but like you just get down to like 10 or 12 turnovers a game. And like, you just get down to rebounding decently. I think they could be a good rebounding team, but like, just get to like competent in those areas and you're good enough everywhere else. Um, and um, so I, I mean, that's pretty basic. I mean, beyond that, um, I, I think Gabe Brown's struggling because he's kind of been a victim of his own success. You know, we talk so much about, oh, somebody's got to merge as the guy. Well, when you're the guy, you're at the top of the scouting report. And I think Gabe is being at the top of the scouting report, the opposing team scouting report for the first time in his career. And he's learning that life's a little bit harder and you get more defense thrown at you and, Big Ten teams are really nuanced as far as knowing your game and forcing you into doing things you don't want to do. Uh, you know, he took three shots in the second half against Northwestern when they weren't shooting well and they needed to come back. And you're not going to win games when Gabe Brown's shooting three shots in the second half. Um, and, you know, he he talked afterwards about, oh, you know, I, I'm going to distribute to my teammates. You got to pick it up. Like, no, you're you're the guy now. Like, that's, that's okay when you're a reserve. Um, like, you got to find ways to get more shots. And he's got to and, and, the, and the team has to. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they can get, try to figure out a way to work through Gabe Browns, but like, just take care of the ball, you know, like, like, the, I don't know any more way to say it. Like, it's like we said in the past, like, oh, it's because they're up tempo. It's not because they're up tempo. Um, just dumb mistakes. It's just, it's just dumb mistakes. And like, it's, and I don't know even how to like process it anymore. Like it's baffling. Like it's not the same stuff over and over again. It's like a, a wide swath of dumb mistakes and a bunch of different ways, you know, standing out of bounds, catching a pass and um, getting one guy cutting and passing the ball out of bounds. And yeah, yeah we see it's constantly. like, it's like teams and players seem a little, a little baffled how to do it because it's not like you look at one specific thing. It's like, how do you get a whole team? And it's not one or two guys, you know, like how do you get a whole team to stop doing a whole bunch of dumb things? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm pretty baffled by it. If you can't tell. I guess it's a focus thing. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, physical mistakes are going to happen. Mistakes do happen, but they can't happen at this clip. And uh, it's just unacceptable because they have very capable ball handlers on the team. I do think they need to sort of instill maybe we need to slow down a little bit. I know the fast break isn't causing a lot of these turnovers, but there are some that are caused by trying to go too fast. And I know Tom, didn't Tom say something about, you know, reining in the point guards a little bit, trying to maybe focus on fundamentals a little bit more. Less yeah, freedom. I mean, Is that what he said? Yeah. I mean, it's all give and take. I mean, you tell those guys to slow it down and don't be as creative. And I, I think you're often suffers yeah. but maybe yeah. that's the trade-off you make at this point um and because their offense has been very good and i think it's because their point guards have been aggressive and um running the floor and stuff so yeah may, maybe maybe that's the trade-off uh or maybe you know um I, i'm still a tyson walker fan and i still think they'd be better off playing him a little bit more uh personally. yeah i know he he hasn't been quite lights out but I, I still like his ceiling for this team more um so that's something i'd be looking at maybe too he just gives you more options offensively because Hogard mm -hmm. can't shoot. So, right. I mean, it's, he just gives you more options that way. And, um, you know, I mean, they, they both can contribute obviously, but yeah, I really just think like 
you know, but we've seen Michigan State offensively go into, you know, not as much as last year, but we've seen them times when they struggle in the half court and they can be lethal in transition when it's operating uh, at a high level. So you don't, you definitely don't want to cut that completely out, but maybe just rein it in a little bit. So, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm not trying to act like the sky is falling here. It's one loss. They're still five and one in the league. They're 14 and three overall. They're going to make the tournament. Like there's a lot of teams that are in far dire situations right. than Michigan State and, right and, now. And I, and I do think they're rebounding. Like, like if I were to bet on one thing, it's if they're going to figure out this rebounding thing quickly, because that's an effort thing. And it's, you know, um, it's something that they've been good at before. And if they if they don't turn their rebounding around quickly, I'd be surprised. The turnovers, I, I can't say that about, but I do feel like that'll change quickly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this team, you know, it's, we've seen it before with Tom Izzo teams, right? The ups and downs of the season. Sometimes they'll have uh, lulls like this where they sort of need a message sent and they get a little too fat and sassy as Izzo likes to say, they get a little too high on themselves. They, people are starting to talk about them as a big 10 contender. They see the tweets, uh, you know, so they're kids, you know, stuff like this can get to them uh, because, that's just how it is. I think it gets the pros too. So, I mean, it's, you just got to kind of, uh, it's a good time to sort of stop refocus because this stretch coming up, starting with Wisconsin on Friday, uh, is intense. Wisconsin has been playing very well. They're one of the biggest surprises in the country. Johnny Davis is averaging 22 points a game. They have a, a deep veteran team or not too veteran actually, but deeper, uh, I'd say across the board and they're going to run their stuff against Michigan state. They're not going to turn the ball over. So if Michigan state is going to go out there and, and turn the ball over against Wisconsin, they've got no chance. Right. I mean, they'll take 15 more shots and, um, and, and that'll be that. And, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm curious how they, um, how they slow down Johnny Davis, you know, I, like I think historically Michigan state's been good at containing these, you know, relatively maintaining these really standout type of players. Um, you know, is it a Max Christie um, operation? Is it a Gabe Brown? Are they, are they working together? How much do they help on him? Uh, you know, I'll be really curious to, I think, um, you know, obviously you start there. Um, hope Brad Davison doesn't pull any shenanigans on you. Um, but I like, you know, I look at these next two games, you're there. Um, you're at Wisconsin at Illinois in a span of five games, which that's completely different challenge, obviously with Kofi. Um, but like, man, if they could split those two, I think that's a great five days, honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think when you look across the next five games, if they can finish with a winning record, I mean, you could look at that as a win. So not, yeah, not the end of the world here. We don't need to, you know, act like the sky is falling, but you know, we want to call them. I mean, we praise them when they're doing well and we, we analyze the issues when they're doing bad. That's our job here. I, so. I think the important thing is they played well enough to like have a cushion for that. You know, you right. know, like, it's like, not we like all, last year, right. We're, I was about to say we're all white knuckled last year at this point and living and dying with every single win and loss. Like, you know, they're 14, three, um, they can afford that one and a couple more weird ones and, and be fine. Um, I, you know, I do wonder though, like after that five game stretch, like, are they in the big 10 title conversation? You know, right now they're at, um, they're at five and one um, second place. I think, I think Illinois is still undefeated. Um, in Six the big and 10. one. They lost to Purdue. They lost to Purdue right? or they beat Purdue. Yeah. Um, Wait, did Purdue or Illinois win on Monday? I can't even remember now. Uh, Purdue won. You're right. Purdue. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I watched the game too, of course. Um, yeah. So anyway, like I, yes, they're, they're tied for first place in the big 10. I'm not convinced. Um, yet that this is really a Big Ten title contending team. Um, I need to see them over this five-game stretch. Um, and I think after that, we'll know. Um, and, and this will be telling because at Wisconsin, at Illinois, Michigan, at Maryland, at Rutgers. So 
you come out of that in decent shape. And then I think we're talking, you know, potentially making a title run here, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they go one and four and we're saying, Hey, still, still a step up from last year, still an NCAA tournament team, probably not going to be playing for anything in the last week of the season. So we'll find yeah. out. Yeah. I, I would say right now, the way, the way the team is playing sweet 16 is the absolute ceiling. Uh, if you're talking March. So uh, I mean, th- th- not to say they can't get better, or, or worse for that matter. But, um, you know, in the right matchups, the way they're playing right now, first sweet 16 lose to a, you know, a higher seed, I think would, would be the most likely outcome, but a lot of season to go. So we don't need to, to get there yet, but, uh, let's get to football. We got a lot of news trickling in. Like Matt mentioned, he tried to go on vacation. A bunch of news keeps breaking like Michigan state, say what you want. It is anything but quiet these days with, with coaches coming and going transfers coming in and out. Um, so <laughs> Matt, there's been a lot of news lately. Uh, I mean, I, I guess, uh, where do you want to start? The coaches? Ron Burton leaving. Uh, I'd like to start Ryan. with, I'd like to start with uh, crediting Kyle for probably inadvertently dropping a Super Troopers reference, or at least made me think of it with his shenanigans line. So uh, yeah, I know you're not a big movie guy, but um, uh, I, I have seen Super Troopers. I, I honestly just like the word shenanigans overall, but I'm happy to. What's that restaurant you like with all the cool stuff on the walls? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't watch the second one. I didn't. Even oh, it was, okay. it was okay. It was okay. I on. didn't even, it was terrible. But anyways, um, no, you know, to start, uh, I thought it was um, Mel's presentation at the uh, Michigan High School Football Coaches Association's annual clinic on Friday morning was pretty interesting. Um, we don't get to see Mel in that setting very often. You know, he he likes to say he only raises his voice and enthusiasm. Um, if you watch his press conferences, and as he said himself before, when somebody kind of directly asked him about it, if he thought he was better served to be in if he thought he had to be there to inspire the media that day then they would know it so um no it was interesting because he was really animated he spoke for about an hour um and, and he gave you a, you know a little bit of a you know some of these uh, examples of what he means by culture so you know he talks obviously a lot about culture and you know shifting the culture and how this year was cementing the culture but some of the examples were pretty funny he talked a lot about how he hates flair how about you know he tells the equipment staff not to order the armbands and stuff like that, how he hates players with the towels. And basically you need to have a reason to use the towel and you better be showing you're using the towel. Um, basically Peyton Thorne, even, you know, the minute, you know, your quarterback's going to need a towel, but you know, he's going to have to show you, you know, he uses it. Um, shot dogs um, is the term that uh, he can't, he, he dropped for players that are down in the field and they need to get helped off by the training staff. And one play later, they're ready to go back in the game. So uh, it's just some interesting stuff, some examples of discipline, what happens, you know, when you, you know, you, you do something wrong, you know, one, you know, first, second, third time, you know, it goes all the way to, you know, you know, your whole group having to run or whatever, and you're the whole side of the ball and then getting your tickets for your family taken away. Um, just, you know, just some interesting tidbits that, you know, we, we just don't get, you know, those specific examples very often. So I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, some entertaining stuff from now on Friday. Um, and then we talked to him afterwards, you know, about, you know, variety of stuff. Uh, they hadn't made uh, the signing of Jeremy Bernard like official official. You know, you could see his name in the uh, school listed on the online student directory. So you knew he was really there. But uh, Mel was able to talk about it. You know, he said he thinks the difference maker. Um, and for those of you who don't remember, he's a four star wide receiver in the 2022 class who actually signed with Washington in December, but had a change of heart. Um, and ends up at Michigan State as an early enrollee. And I had talked to a Big Ten, not Big Ten, sorry, program spokesman trying to clear up the whole 
national letter of intent and how that worked when he just signed. And so what he did with Michigan state was he signed a big 10 tender, which you don't hear about as often, but it is something you've heard about. If you remember Malik Dowell's recruitment um, and some other people, that was uh, kind of a process they went through there. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting addition. Um, and you know, that's a guy that'll be able to contribute immediately in spring practice. After that, you know, he talked a little bit about Ephraim Reed likes what he brings to the table as the new running backs coach. Um, Malik Carr, Keon Coleman on the basketball team. He doesn't have a problem with it. You know, just, you know, wants to see what they can do. If, if Tom wants him on the team, then go from there. So uh, that was kind of the news from, from uh, Friday last week, from, you know, last time we got to talk to Mel um, and it continued in the weekend. Uh, asked Friday about uh, filling the open spot on his staff uh, with the reports that he was hiring Brad and Jordan. Uh, he said he had nothing official to announce. That came the following day on Saturday. So they did officially hire Brandon Jordan. It's really interesting a hiring. And you know, we talked about this, I believe, last week. There's a guy who, who has experience coaching at the college level, but nowhere near um, the Big Ten level. Um, but it has also been, you know, uh, you know, standout personal trainer. He's worked with some of the best pass rushers in the NFL, TJ Watt, Chandler Jones, Cameron Hayward, Von Miller, those guys. So to, to go that direction and hire a pass rush specialist seemed is a really intriguing move, something that definitely is catching some attention. Um, we'll see how it works out. But um, the thought, it seemed, um, would be that you'd pair him with, with Ron Burton, you know, a veteran of you know, about 30 years of experience. We've seen what he, he's done in Michigan State for the last nine years. And then Sunday afternoon, Ron just announces that, you know, he's, he won't be back at you know, to Michigan State and, and is pursuing new opportunities. So I found that to be a surprise. Um, we still haven't heard from Mel Tucker about that. Um, we see, I saw a lot of guys, a lot of defensive linemen, um, current guys and former guys, you know, praising uh, Ron on Twitter. So he was, you know, the, the longest tenured staff member there. He was the last real holdover from the D'Antonio era, you know, Harlan's there, but Harlan had left and, and, and Mel brought him back. So uh, interesting. Um, very notable uh, departure for the staff. So there's one more to fill and it means Mel's going to have three new assistants um, in the 2022 season. That was, that was some shocking news. I mean, I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, we don't know if, you know, the two hires, I don't really, we haven't heard that they have anything to do with the, or the, the hire and the departure. We haven't heard that they have anything to do with each other, but it was interesting to see that change in a matter of a couple days. I mean, you talk about the D line at Michigan state and the guys they've had drafted. I mean, some of them were before uh, Burton got there, but I mean, he's been one of the, I mean, what, what, Will Golston and Willikis and Shalee uh, Calhoun. Calhoun. I mean, some of the best players, best NFL draft prospects on the team have come from the D line and it's been a sort of position of strength for a long time. And that is, uh, I mean, Ron Burton gets a lot of credit for that. So I think it is a notable loss. I mean, we haven't heard that the hiring of Jordan has anything to do with that. Obviously people are going to speculate, um, but you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because that, that is a notable loss for Michigan state. It was, it was notable. First of all, that Mel uh, recognized his value to hold him over uh, in the first place. Yeah. And now him leaving is going to have an impact. Yeah. I mean, it, when I would think it was the night Mel was hired where it was when the reports came out that, that Ron was leaving for a job in Indiana and then, Next thing you know, it's pump the brakes. Wait a second. Um, he's going to stay here. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I really, really look back. I mean, that's pretty much been the identity of Michigan State going back to the D'Antonio era is strong up front, stop the run. And, you know, there are some, some outlier years where, where they weren't as good at it. But for the most part, 
pretty damn good. I mean, nine seasons, they finished in the top two in the nation in Rusty four times, including first twice. That's that's not a bad number to throw out there. You know, they're they're not the only ones involved in stopping the run, obviously, but uh, strong up front and good on the edge. And that's, you know, where, where Ron came in. And, you know, there, it, I guess it was somewhat of a surprise because we – and I don't know how the duties are going to be split up with Jordan but um, and whoever else they hire. But, you know, Ron was – you know, he came to Michigan State as the D-line coach, and then D'Antonio made a change in 17, and he, and he just assigned him to D-tackles. And he brought in um, a separate uh, defensive ends coach. So he spent three seasons just coaching tackles while others took ends. Um, and then he went back to the whole D line in 20. So I thought, well, you know, maybe it'll just be something similar to that or he, you know, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he, what direction he goes in for, for this last staff opening, assuming it is the last staff opening this off season. Uh, you want to do a transfer portal roundup? Oh, <laughs> it never boy. stops with Michigan State, man. Let's see. Uh, James Ohamba is committed to Louisiana, offensive lineman. Um, Jack Camper, defensive end to Virginia. Cameron Allen, true freshman, tight end to SMU. Um, those are new guys. Other guys that had already entered the portal at Victor New School. Um, and then to, to kind of recap, uh, Michigan State got in another addition on – Today is Wednesday. It was yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, Amir Speed from he's a defensive back from Georgia announced his commitment to Michigan State. So interesting addition. This is the second year in a row. Mel has added a cornerback off the national championship winning team um, with being Ron Williams last year and, and Speed this year. And this is, you know, this is a guy he coached. He recruited. He coached him for his first two years at Georgia. So I mean, there shouldn't be a problem at all with uh, the relationship and and him knowing what to expect. And I thought it was interesting in his uh mirrors a twitter post he said coming out of high school is his you know his dream or whatever to to play for both uh mel and and harlan barnett and now he's going to get the opportunity to do so so um interesting and i should um mention that when we were asking mel about the staff on friday um he had said that you know he was going to pitch in coaching cornerbacks you know helping harlan out so that kind of signaled that the secondary staff is is set uh if, if mel's going to be doing that and we saw him doing that in person um, in camp this past year. So um, not really a huge surprise there, but, you know, uh, speeds, a you know, he spent five years at Georgia. He, he began this year as the starter on what was supposed to be, or arguably the best defensive team in, in the country. He started the first three games. Um, he had an ankle injury. Um, and so he missed two games. He played in 13 uh, total for the season, but he, he became more of a backup and a, and a special teams contributor after the first three games pro football focus had him at, 181 total defensive snaps. So as a comparison, I think that's about what Chuck Brantley played this year. So it was just, mm. just a sample size, but you know, he's going to come in at six foot three with sec experience, national champion, national championship experience. And it'll be interesting to see how that room, you know, shapes, shakes out. You know, you got Williams coming back, Kimbrough coming back, Lowry coming back and Brantley coming back. And those were your four primary guys last year after, after Gerben hit the portal and, so uh, you got some competition there. Did I see Jack Carrick is coming back or Matt Carrick is coming back. Yeah. 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 He, he just tweeted that a little bit ago. This is, you know, kind of when he got hurt back in, I think it was October and he posted a photo on Twitter of himself with like his, I think it was his right leg and a big old brace and basically said, you know, his season's done, but he's looking forward to come back next year. Obviously that's a two way street, whether, 
you know, the pro Mel and the program want a guy back for that extra year, that six year, but um, based on the tweets um, and Mel even quote tweeting it. Yeah. By all indications, he'll be back. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a guy he's been there. He started almost what 20 games or whatever it is almost right guard. So he gives them some depth and, and the guy they can turn to uh, moving forward with some notable losses on the line with you lose six year seniors and our Curry, Allen, Campbell and Jarvis left for the NFL. And then departures in the transfer portal. We got a big one today. So here you uh, go. Time yeah. to shine. You've been working yeah. on it all day. <laughs> no, I haven't. I've been, I tried to get that name, that pronunciation down a year ago. And I don't know that I ever did. I think it's decent, but uh, Ma Naoteote, uh, true freshman linebacker. Um, he's in the portal as of today. Um, one of the, you know, as far as a young guy that you thought that had been on the field and, and shown to the ability to, contribute you know this one stands out you know, he was the highest rated guy in in Mel's uh, first signing class here you know, last year the only four-star prospect in and he was a longtime USC commit where his brother used to play um, before flipping officially on, on, on the early signing day uh, his brother's now at Ohio State but um, yeah I mean he I can't say I expected a ton more of him than what he did this year I mean you come in as a true freshman you you know the mix was it was, you know, uh, Halliday and Crouch starting the year. And then the backups were Klein, Harvey, Ben Summerin, And now Teote, Klein enters the portal. Um, and then Crouch, or um, yeah, Crouch gets hurt, misses three of the last four games. Harvey steps in the starting lineup. But, you know, now Teote was there. He just wasn't like a heavily used player. Not that I really anticipated he would be. I thought that would have been a big surprise. But he was a rotational guy. You saw something of him. Uh, what do you have? Eight, seven tackles or was it seven tackles in eight games, I believe. Um, so 65 defensive snaps for the season. That's not a huge number, but given the others that were around and the fact he's a first year guy, I didn't think that was a surprise. But um, this is what happens in the new era. You know, you bring in two veteran linebackers in the portal and, and Jacoby Winman from UNLV and Aaron Brule from Mississippi State. You, yeah. you might lose guys like this and that's just yeah. that's just the way it is so if you know i mean mel knows the score he knows the deal but you treat recruiting like the draft and, and the portal like free agency and you're gonna lose guys I, yeah. I think that's what fans miss if i can jump in for a second like like it's always like oh just go go add this guy just go add that guy well what just happened you know if, if, if that's the reason he did leave which we don't know for sure but like that's what coaches are afraid of it's like you had too many guys, you start losing guys you don't want to lose. You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. poor guys, I think they're okay losing, but um, that, 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 that's the, the other side of it, I think. Um, so that, if, if that's what bit him, you know, that, that, that's ab- the danger. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic as a fan to think that you're going to bring in all these guys and not lose someone because of it. I mean, that's just how it is. Like, there's only so many spots to play. I see people blaming the defensive formation right now. There's only two starting linebackers. I don't think there's much legs to that, but you know, you do have Cal Halliday who's a freshman all America coming back as well. In addition to those veteran guys, I think some of them can play more on the edge uh, more so than a true middle linebacker. But I, I, I mean, this one was surprising and it, it hurts. I mean, this is the first of these transfers that I've really been like, Oh man, that's, that's a loss because this kid flashed last year. He's a four-star kid. Um, but again, these are the way it goes. You want to, you want to be aggressive in the transfer portal. You're going to lose some guys. And uh, I mean, you should expect this because, kids these days want to play right away. They don't want to wait three years 
And as much as Mel talks about being, you know, process driven and he's always hammering at home, process driven, working neutral thinking. He, it seems like he takes more of a year to year approach with his roster at times, like identifying a weakness. We're going to find a one, one year plug in. Here we go. Whereas maybe D'Antonio seemed more focused on the big picture at all times. And, but you, it, the more you bring in younger, better talent, the more the pressure is going to be there to get kids on the field right away. Cause they just don't want to wait. And I'm not sure if that's the best trend uh, for college sports, but it is the reality. And if, if you're going to keep bringing in higher caliber talent at, at Michigan state, which has been the trend, this is something that you need to, you know, you know, it's a risk. I mean, I did say it's a year to year thing. I mean, if, you know, going into, you know, last year, the portal departures, they knew they need to stock up that cornerback and linebacker. They did that. And this year, you know, they could use a little bit more linebacker depth. Um, so, you know, we, we still don't know if Noah Harvey will be back for the extra year. He's still eligible to take it um, if that works out, but they clearly wanted, thought that they needed a couple more guys and they went out and get them and, and, I, I, I just, it's going to depend every year where you think you have needs and who's available. Maybe, you know, if they hadn't, if those guys hadn't been in the portal, if the options there you didn't think were better than what you, you had on your roster, then you don't take them and you, and you live with the guys that you've got and you try to develop the younger guys some more. So uh, mm-hmm. just change. I just think, you know, I also think it's interesting. Um, Ma became the fifth guy from the 2021 signing class center of the portal. So 18 kids signed. Most of them, most of them last December um, and, and almost a third of them are in the portal. Um, you know, part of that is just the nature of modern times. I think part of it was a lot of mostly most of that signing class never got to meet the coaching staff in person or step foot on campus uh, before getting there. So just a unique situation. Um, but then, you know, five of five of 18 in a year. That's that's a big number. Some of them have never even been to Michigan, so it can't be yeah. that shocking that some of them are like, well, maybe this isn't the best fit. But I wonder if Ma was upset that Noah Harvey was getting those reps over him instead of in uh, in the bowl game. I, I, I mean, just pure speculation there. But, well, I you know. mean, that wasn't a surprise. I mean, when when Crouch went down, that was the guy that came in. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and he was. You know, we saw what Harvey could do as a starter. You know, he closed the the 19 season as the starter when when um, Bocce was ruled ineligible. He started all last year, um, and I thought he played really well in the bowl game. He had a great pass breakup in the in the corner of the end zone. He had what should have what could have been arguably a forced fumble, if I remember right. And I think he even recovered it. It was that weird one that got replayed, uh, reviewed, and, and not uh, ruled the fumble. But I thought he played pretty well. But we we still don't know if he'll be back next year. Um, but they're bringing in, you know, obviously got a couple new guys to work with. All right. And then finally, we'll let when the show, uh, spring practice, we got a schedule, right? The spring game. Is oh yeah. The, uh, yep. So spring practice starts March 15th. That's the week after, uh, the school spring break and the spring game is April 16th, which is a Saturday, obviously. So put that on your calendar. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, I kind of get the feeling it'll be more of a traditional spring game than, than last year, which was, you know, just an open spring practice really with some live um, scrimmage periods at the end. Um, but last year they just didn't have the depth um, at corner and linebacker. I think they had more, if I remember right, Kyle, you were, we were sitting there. I think they had more quarterbacks dressed for the, for the open, for the spring game, the practice than they did linebackers at the time. So that'll <laughs> tell you everything you need to know about how you can't, go uh two squads and separate them but i think you'll see more of that this uh, more of a traditional spring game maybe this this year um be interesting to see how the uh transfers um the guys that have been added fit in the mix and uh the early enrollees um we we still haven't got anything official whether amir speed will be here 
enrolled this semester. His name wasn't in the student directory the last time I looked. But other than that, I mean, they had nine, nine true freshmen, nine signees, and at least four transfers that, that have been, that'll be there this spring. So um, we'll get to see some new faces. I'm just glad it's not Masters weekend this year. Oh, I yeah. Don't really care about with the date. So if, if you're a golf fan like me, uh, you don't have to uh, you don't have to juggle those two. So there you go. Hey, there, something to look forward to. There are definitely there are definitely multiple um, uh, laptops in the press <laughs> box tuned to uh, the Masters when the spring game collides with it. And I don't blame them at all. No, I well, well, the worst was when they had the fall masters, and I had to have like a regular season game juggling the uh, the masters. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, here's an update Amir Speed is now in the student directory online. So, uh, unless there's another Amir Speed, I like to uh, always make that clarification. If there was a Jeremy Bernard, <laughs> I think you're safe that one, <laughs> yeah, I think there. not the common spelling, but I, I still point out it's just a person listed by that name. What an absolutely elite name for a cornerback. I'm telling you what, that is, that is awesome right there. Well, you so. forget they lost Speedy, Jalen Speedy Naylor. So you have That's to true. bring in Amir Speed to, uh, to kind of fill those shoes. At least Absolutely. Name-wise. Absolutely. All right. We got to get out of here. Uh, we're running long. Appreciate everyone for listening. Like I said, if you could please like rate interview the podcast, very much appreciated. You know where to find our work on MLive.com. Kyle, you heading to Madison? Stars muted. Uh, yes, heading to Madison on Friday, coming back and turn around and heading to um, wherever my next place is going, Champaign, Champaign. Illinois. So, yeah. uh, worst place to get to in the Big Ten. So, all right. Uh, we'll on the road fun, again. Fun five days. Yes, COVID, stay away. <laughs> yes, enjoy. You stay safe out there. Uh, hopefully, the weather cooperates for you as well because uh, this is the Midwest after all. Yeah. Alberta Clippers lingering out there. <laughs> so, you know, be careful. But, all right, we got to get out of here again. Thank you for listening very much. Hope you pre- hope you like it. Hope you appreciate the conversation. Um, so, yeah, enjoy the games coming up, and we'll keep an eye on all the transfer portal news with the football team as well. So, for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green!